Turns out movie studios might be really shady. Today I'm talking about why people are the most important part of any movie making experience and why SAG is on strike. This is Scott's of the Golden Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about uh, the SAG, the SAG strike, uh, which is the Screen Actors Guild strike. Um, and so they are on strike for a lot of reasons, including compensation and also concerns about things like, um, you know, face scans and AI tools and things like that. Uh, things that are designed to essentially use someone's likeness in perpetuity um, and Earlier, when I talked about AI tools and how it could affect movie making, I was talking a lot about how a lot of the way that people imagine it, at least initially, was as complete re- replication of somebody who already existed. And instead, what that's become is that you scan somebody once and you essentially have them for all time. And today, I kind of want to just get into a lot of things that um, relate to, you know, relate to all this, and also generally speaking, why you want to have happy people (laughs) um, in your movie and working on your movie, because that's typically how you get your best art. So yeah, so that's, that's what I'm talking about today. So obviously, if you don't know already, the Screen Actors Guild is the largest uh, acting union um, in, in Hollywood, uh, they have a ton of power, uh, and so much so that basically the entire cast of Oppenheimer, as soon as the strike went through, left the premiere, uh, because one of the strike limitations is not promoting your existing product, uh, projects. Uh, that's one of the, that's, you know, that's considered, if you did that, that's considered crossing the picket line. So that's, that's part of it. Um, and so, so, so there's a lot of reasons for that, and pretty quickly, there started to come out, a lot of different stories started to come out about what, why actors were doing this. And there's a couple of things that I wanted to address. So the first, the first is the big story, which is something that uh, studios att- apparently were trying to get to argue for, uh, for, for an actor's union um, at a time when, you know, there's so much money in entertainment. Uh, there always has been when studio salaries, you know, are constantly high and then all of these studios and production companies are constantly talking about how much money they are making and uh, this is the same thing that happens with the writers guild that they wanted to find a way to cut corners and one of the ways to do that was that they wanted to get is they wanted to get background actors and they wanted to essentially scan them in and pay them once and then essentially they wanted them to sign contracts that would agree to them for just to be used in perpetuity um, with only with the one-time payment. And that's something that is, uh, that's something that even the early Actors Guild, uh, the early edition of SAG fought, had to fight really hard against. So for just for a bit of movie history, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest, um, things fights in early, uh, actors, at least comparatively early, uh, actors union history was, basically fighting for what are known as residuals and residuals are essentially money that is made after the product is already in existence so a lot of people just kind of imagine you know i've heard one actor i'm forgetting their name and i apologize for that they they talked about it this way that if you are for instance in a movie that becomes a basic cable mainstay you essentially get a cut of the revenue that the 
that is given to the studio either via the advertisers because it's on their own channel or you know just for, for for the production itself so that's a very good way to guarantee yourself a slice of the profits and and so even if you're not working as an actor even if you don't actively have an acting job that will continue to supply you money over time now it was a controversial agreement at first because they did not get residuals for a lot of the early screen actors. Uh, so it, it was good for actors moving forward, but not good for a lot of the ones who basically all they had was their salaries from each individual film. So that's not obviously not not the direction I'm guessing they're looking to go. So why is that becoming such a big issue well because via streaming and other things like this and also the these ai tools and its ability to scan people the studios want to essentially pay once go back to a model where they pay once and don't ever have to distribute ever again and so there's now i i've talked before about how studios will try to screw over actors and any other talent in regards to um you know residuals and things like that partially because that everything is always profit-driven, but also because they just want to keep making money and they don't want to pay people uh, because that's just how they function. Um, they're not your friends. Uh, always bear that in mind. But one of the... Yeah, so one of the things that com that comes out is that, you know, if you're, for instance, on a, on a show that does streaming, well, when do you get paid for it? Well, if you're if it's, if it's replaying on CW and you signed a contract with CW a while ago, let's say Gilmore Girls, because uh, Sean Gunn has been one of the vocal fellows on the picket line, um, he's talked about how Gilmore Girls, despite being one of the most consistent performers on Netflix, he doesn't see a dime from it, uh, which is a shame because, you know, Sean Gunn is obviously an integral part of the show, but it's also a shame for every other actor involved in that show. Um, and that's where, you know... And that's what's interesting and sad, because you can look at a lot of uh, first because first off, there are a lot of actors who just like maybe one TV show is all they really got. Um, so obviously there are most a lot of the actors um, involved in, in things like like Elmore Girls. Many of them went on to do other things. But if you're, for instance, somebody who's like, well, you only had this one show. And maybe you kind of count on the residuals either to bolster your income or push towards retirement maybe you don't have that anymore or maybe it's harder to get that amount of money and so streaming has really upended uh in terms uh, upended in terms of these contracts and so and especially because now streamers are starting to do more advertising and there's not really a lot written in the contracts that says like oh if this ends up on streaming you then get xyz money for for it or you get this much percentage of it and that's typically all they're asking for. Um, that's what the writers' union is asking for. That is what the SAG is SAG union is asking for. Um, that's what they're asking for is for a cut of the residuals or the money, essentially the value that they get. So now, does it make it more complicated? Yes, but for instance, if you're a Netflix show, uh, you know, there's you may not have advertisers yet. We'll see how long that lasts. But once, but you do have subscribers you have a guaranteed and you constantly get new subscribers on a regular basis well what shouldn't the actors who perform in the shows based on you know perhaps maybe their volume of how much they're given get get a percentage so that's something to think about and then if you're a studio who then sells the rights to netflix uh for something to distribute like if it's a tv show or it's something else shouldn't you get money for that as well Thus far, doesn't seem to be the case, and that needs to get sorted out. So that's the first thing. It's just like, that's that's what's being argued for. And especially, and one thing, another thing to point out is that the notion of especially, the people that they are really trying to cut out, 
and really trying to screw over are not the big names for the most part. Now, they are still trying to do this. <laughs> They're still trying to do it with everybody. But it's really the day-to-day -day people who are just trying to be in show business kind of people that are really going to get the most screwed over about this. So the most infamous story thus far is the one I mentioned where they would just scan a background actor and then and then essentially have them to use to, to insert digitally into movies in perpetuity. Now, there's two big reasons, one which is just the human cost angle and one from the movie angle, which why I think this is stupid or and, and often and very bad. Uh, the first the first and most obvious is that background acting is not a very good paying gig. It's actually a low paying gig, but it's, you know, somebody might get enough to like get through the week or just literally make enough to make for their day if they're able to do background acting. It's something they can do. So it's it's the equivalent of being an extra or, you know, kind of a glorified extra or something like that. So whether and it's a way to get on screen, it's a way to get experience, it's a way to and a lot of these sets, you'll also get the equivalent of, you know, they'll probably have craft food services so you can actually get food and things like that. So you're fed throughout the day, you get a little bit of money, you get to be within the industry and you also get to maintain your insurance, which is also very important when you're in a union. So there's a lot of reasons why that's very important. So the notion that a single studio could grab your likeness and just insert you into movies and only pay you once for one day's work means that uh, you're really going to be put out in a way that is uh, bad, just very bad. I don't know how else to explain that, uh, you know, people need money and food, money and compensation to live and you know, the notion that it's like, well, that's just what the business is, is very stupid, especially if you look at any of the executive salaries who are making these arguments. Uh, basically, if you cut their salaries by a very sl small sliver of a percentage, you could cover what the actors and writers guilds are asking for. So I, I don't think that there is a profitability. I think it is literally just trying to streamline the process uh, to make it a lot easier so they don't have to deal with human costs or human humans at all frankly, in a lot of ways. So that's that's where that's the the human element. On the other end, on the art end, the thing that you will the thing that I find so galling about so many of these attempts to use AI tools is that there is a presumption that simple and easy is always better. Um, when I haven't found that to be the case in almost any movie making, because uh, making a movie by itself is already a very difficult endeavor. So but it <laughs> Eventually, we're going to hit the end. Like, I, I, I've already started to feel this way with some movies where it's like they're so reliant on CGI that they doesn't, it begins to not feel real. It's one thing if you don't notice it until they show it to you later. Like, it's like I know there's been, a, it's very popular on Twitter and movie Twitter to point out, like, look at all the stuff they added to do, you know, a reshoot or something with uh, like Secret Invasion or something like that. It's like, well, that's not too bad. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, yeah, they, but it's still Samuel L. Jackson in costume doing a thing, or it is still like the people there. They may have added a lot of stuff in post, but that's not a terrible way to do it. If it's all hidden until somebody points it out in a behind the scenes feature, sure. Like you kind of, there's, I'm sure there's a part in the back of your mind that knows like uh, you hit a certain wall with the backgrounds in a lot of these places that isn't, you know, it's not going to be a physical set anymore, um, especially for the big blockbusters, CGI heavy blockbusters and stuff like that. But that's not a problem that gets better 
if you just start scanning people's faces and putting them in the, into the background. Uh, because in my experience, uh, the replications, the full replications of humans is still not there. Um, and to some extent, kind of, never, I, don't, I don't know if it really will be. And I don't know if we want it to be, because I think we want genuine human things. Because even if you can mess someone's face around in the background, like, I don't know. I don't know why you'd want that. Uh, my go-to example is, and, and also it, it means that there's just a lot less that can be happen organically on a movie set. Like... Uh, one of my favorite examples, and I know it's a one that Screen Junkies pointed out, uh, which is at the ending speech for, you know, Independence Day, where Bill Pullman says, like, today we celebrate our Independence Day. And some guy in the background that just gives a giant thumbs up. He's in, like, the wingsuit and the flight suit and everything. Don't know, no idea who that guy is, but he absolutely contributes to the feel and vibe of the movie. Probably not told to do that. Probably just did it because it was just like, yeah, just be enthusiastic. He did it, and Roland Emmerich saw it and was like, fantastic, I'm going to keep that. So that's the kind of stuff that you miss. When you start to strip out more and more people from the movie-going experience, you essentially lose potential collaborators, you lose ideas, you lose a lot. And you essentially, movies start to lose a lot of the soul of them. Um, you know, because I think, you know, obviously movies are always an illusion and always a miracle if they ever get finished, but you lose a lot of the magic if you keep you know, unnecessarily removing people from the process. Because when you look at the compensation that these people are asking for or getting, so for, for instance, a background actor, they are, it's a day rate. They do not get residuals, um, at least not that I've heard of. You'd have to have a speaking role for to get a residual. Um, but, but like, why? Why do, why do you feel the need to do that? Is what's the, what is the cost justification? It's like, well, we just need to cut costs. Okay, what's your salary? And they, they never seem to be able to have an answer for that question. And which then brings me to the next aspect, which is something else that, that has come up alongside this, is that a number of actors have begun to... Um, actors are on very prominent shows, uh, like things, uh, actors from Orange is the New Black in particular, talking about how uh, many of the performers within the show would have second jobs. And this is something where it's both eye-opening to some extent but also kind of just like a good reminder so i think a lot of people you know they picture it's like if you're an actor in hollywood and this is some this is a pretty universal story is that if you're an actor in hollywood or if you were in any sort of big movie at any point in time that you're set for life and there are people who essentially could stop working tomorrow if they wanted to robert downey jr could basically most of the main marvel stars could stop working tomorrow if they wanted to and be set for life both between residuals and the salaries that they pulled in for movies and i'm not and this, I'm not going to fault them for that. But most of the actors that are within the, especially within the union, are working actors. And by working actors, it means people who go in, audition all the time, and are constantly looking to be in new projects. Not not just for love of the game, as, as certain actors can and are able to do, but because this is the, how they make their living. So if, for instance, if you've seen, like, I know I've been, there's a number of shows that I've watched, like Justified and uh, Burn Notice, where I see, oh, there's background actors that keep showing up. Or, like, two-episode actors. Well, th that's who those guys are. That's who those people are. That's who those those folks are. That's Those are working actors. And they rely on... And they rely on both residuals and things like that and, and making sure that they're compensated more than once to make a living. So if you keep wanting these kind of, like, cool little character actors that show up all the time, you want them to be compensated. But the other thing that people may not necessarily think about is depending on 
what is is or isn't provided by the studio or the, or the production company is just how rough it can be to even be on something that's successful. So one thing that comes up that came up for the Orange is the New Black actors is that uh, I'm forgetting her name, but she spoke about how many of the actors on that show had second jobs. And that and you're like, well, how can that even be possible? So maybe you're getting, a, a, you know, an episode rate that sounds astronomical to a lot of people. I understand. So it may be I'm going to say on the low end, it would be like, let's say 34K or something like that per episode if you're a featured actor. That's a pretty good like I think a lot of people would look at that and be like, great, that's fantastic. Well, a lot of these people would have to maintain an apartment in Los Angeles where they likely live. They'd have to maintain a living space that wasn't provided for them in the city they were filming, which I believe for Orange is the New Black was around Chicago. And then they also have to, you know, so that's a lot of living expenses. Then you factor in transportation, then you factor in agent costs, then you can factor in flights to and from places that maybe aren't provided. So the costs start, basically, the costs start to add up. And that's where a lot of, and that's where a lot of these folks end up being in, in, a, in especially if they're working like 13 hour, 12 hour, you know, 12, 13 hour days on something, you know, on a television drama or a sitcom or something like that, or even just a big budget movie, that's, you know, it requires a lot to get comfortable. Um, and so that's where, that's where something like, hey, it, even if you were like struggling at the time while you're filming the first, first couple of seasons of Orange is the New Black, at least you can go sit down and finish it and be like, okay, it's a bit stretched thin, but now I can count on the fact that I'm going to get residuals from this. So that's, that's, that's a big part of it. And another thing that I would point out is that I think it's just kind of a logical thing that is kind of thrown out the window is that you want happy actors. Because, you know, as much as made, is made about a lot of the method actors and the crazy things that people do, or how cool it seems to be an actor, acting is still a job. And especially if you're on something that does require, you know, 12 hour days, you want people to be at their best. And they're going to be at their best when they feel comfortable and not <laughs> like they're under an economic crunch. Uh, so especially if they're having to do, you know, drama, or especially if they're having to make you cry or be funny. Like that's, I think, like, just imagine your job. And I'll mention that you constantly, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to the fact of having this kind of economic anxiety that's perpetually in the back of their head. And now imagine that you have to go out and be the happiest person for 12 hours or something like that, or be on a sitcom or be on a, you know, something like that. I can imagine it must get very, very frustrating very, very quick. So, and very draining and it's hard to be a professional all the time. And yeah, and it's already a weird business to begin with. So you're already trying to navigate like, hey, is this person nice? Is this person, what can this person do to my reputation within the industry? Which is something you, you know, as much as people talk about, you know, not wanting to ruin your work reputation and, the and you know, the not entertainment world, entertainment is even more uh, fickle in that regard. Because if you get a bad reputation with like one director or one producer, it could torpedo your chances for things moving forward. So Obviously, there's a lot going on here, but the baseline that I want to establish is that more people involved in art is always good. Um, you know, more people contributing in art, rather, is always good. Um, I don't think it's, a, you know, you can make a lot of comments about like, oh, do we need this many line producers or things like that? I don't know enough about the movie biz to say whether when it hits a bureaucratic wall. What I will say is that happy actors makes for better acting and better art and that they should be the people who actually
actually make and craft the moments and art that you love should be fairly compensated for it. It shouldn't go to the entity that just funded it. Um, and I don't think what, what's being asked for is, is unfair. And if you say it is, again, the question always is, how much is the CEO making? And if the answer is B, with you know billions with a B, then they should probably shut up and come to the table. Because right, right now, they don't have writers, they don't have actors, they have directors, and that's it. So unless, and I wouldn't be surprised if the directors, I mean, I, from the sound of it, the directors <laughs> kind of shot themselves in the foot. But it's really hard to make television when you have actors, television and movies, when you have actors who can't act and writers who can't write. So either people are going to start crossing picket lines, which it seems like the unions are pretty strong at this point, or they're going to come to a compromise, which is what I hope for, because, yeah, I, I want happy people making art. So that's it for today. I hope you liked my thoughts. So without further, uh, not without further ado, as always, stay safe, and I hope you enjoyed listening. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.